Welcome to the Shanna Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined, as always, by Akash. Akash, we are in week 10 now. 49ers are 3-5. and five. We didn't expect that. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, and no, we did not. If you had told me they would be 3-5 and five at this point in the season, you know, before the season start, when we did our season predictions, I would have laughed. I would not have um, believed you, but here we are. Uh, you had the line of the night from Sunday, Mark Tressman with Yeezys. That's what you called Kyle Shanahan. I thought that was fantastic. Um, kudos. That uh, that made the rounds, so I didn't think it would. Somebody sent me, like, links. It was on, like, Ben Solak, who used to be on SB Nation, set it on the ringer. Uh, Mike Golick brought it up on ESPN Radio. Um yeah, so obviously some of that was tongue-in-cheek, but Mark, one of Trestman's biggest issues were just managing players or just, you know, being more than a play caller. And that has been an issue for the head ball coach for the 49ers. We will get there. There's a lot to talk about because we are talking about the 49ers, and there's always a lot to talk about with this team. Let's start with the injuries. So Josina Anderson, she reported on Tuesday evening that Josh Norman is dealing with fractured ribs. Kyle Shannon said on Monday that Norman would be limited during Wednesday's practice. He didn't say anything about – he said it was ribs, but he didn't say that the ribs were fractured. Not sure when that happened because I'm pretty sure he finished the game. And, of course, you know injuries can pop up after the fact, but Josina Anderson said he's going to try to play through it, through those fractured ribs – uh, Muhammad Sanu, knee sprain. Everyone knows where, when that happened, but he also played and finished the game. Dre Kirkpatrick, foot injury. He's going to go on IR, as will Sanu. Mike McGlinchey, torn quad, which all of you are well aware of by now. Um, he's going to miss the rest of the year. There's no guarantee that he is going to start week one of next year. You know, I think that's something that we kind of have to touch on. So for those that aren't familiar with it, the recovery time is usually around like six months. And when I say that, I mean, you know, that's when you can actually do things again as like, you know, walk around and be a person. But uh, there's no there's no guarantee when you think about it that he will be able to, you know, be able to do athletic things by the time training camp rolls around next year. So 49ers have their work cut out for them and might have to add right tackle to the list of needs of long needs that a long list of needs that they have. So injuries, there will be, there need to be changes made and maybe we should just start there. Um, What's going to happen to right tackle? Are we going to see Daniel Brunskill who in 2019 filled in for both McGlinchey and Joe Staley and might add played well, did look impressive there and, you know, filled in for a little bit, but he didn't, he looked competent and that's all you can ask for. Obviously he's playing right guard right now. Everybody knows he is struggling. Aaron Banks could fill in for Brunskill, but you're creating two new starting positions when you do that by shuffling the deck. There, There's Jalen Moore, who's a rookie, who has not played left, or has only played left tackle, won the swing job, played it a little bit at Western Michigan, but it I imagine it'll just take some time getting used to, you know, for him to practice again. So he would have to practice for three practices and then, hey, go play the Rams, go play perhaps Vaughn Miller. Uh, what do you think happens here on the right side of the line, I guess we'll say? You forgot my favorite option, that they could roll number 66, Tom Compton, right back out Ooh. there at right tackle. Keep Dan Brunskill at right guard and just roll it back. I mean, if you saw that second half, uh, those guys on the right side, 60 and 66, were just getting walked back into the quarterback routinely. Um, I understood the frustration from a lot of 49ers fans during the game. Um, myself included, I asked, well, why not try Jalen Moore? Because you know Tom Compton is struggling, but you know it's it's a tough adjustment for Moore, who's primarily been um, you know primarily played at left tackle, to then switch and do everything from the right side. Um, especially if, if you haven't practiced that, Kyle Shanahan's not the type of coach to throw um, a player like Moore into that situation that he hasn't been in before. He would rather roll with Compton, um, who didn't play well, into that spot. Um, uh, just because he has, you know, practice reps or whatever there. Um, so hopefully we don't see that on Monday night. Um, I think I would prefer to roll Dan Brunskill over to right tackle and then insert Aaron Banks at right guard. Kyle Shanahan mentioned uh, to the media on Monday that uh, Banks is starting to push Brunskill a little bit uh, in practice. 
which is what you'd hope. We thought, you know, second round pick when they picked him that he would be the starting right guard. Fortunately, that didn't happen. He got hurt. Now he's back and hopefully he can uh, become the right guard of the future for this team because that's what you'd expect when you invest a second round pick in a player like that. And no better time to see that than now. So that would be, I think, what I'd prefer. Um, you put Banks there at right guard, Brunskill at right tackle, who has proven to be better at tackle than guard, I think, um, just because he was, I think, a, a tight end who's now, um, you know, who ended up becoming an offensive lineman and he just fits better at tackle, I think. So I would prefer to go that route. But does it does it really matter when you're playing Von Miller, Aaron Donald, right. uh, Leonard Floyd? I mean, if you saw the Rams on Sunday night, they were uh, putting a lot of heat on uh, Ryan Tannehill. Mike Malinchy was having his best season True. as a 49er. So it stinks that, you know, he's going to miss this time. And, you know, it's tough to imagine he will come back as the same player just yeah. because quad injuries are nothing to mess around with. Um, I thought uh, Brunskill was going to be a very good player moving forward after 2019. Um, that has not come to fruition. It just hasn't are. developed. Yeah, and maybe that's just what happens when you know you fill in, you plug in a guy who came from the AAF. Again, there were never high expectations for him, and you know, he he kind of is who he is at this point. So I don't know what they should do on the right side. You would have thought that Aaron Banks, it wouldn't have taken him ten weeks into the season to start pushing um, a player who was undrafted ahead of him. So I would guess it will be Aaron Banks, but that just means, you know, you're creating, as I mentioned, another starter on there. Do you think Kyle Shannon has a confidence to go, and this is just a hypothetical scenario, Aaron Banks, Jalen Moore, two rookies playing next to each other to protect the McGraw? Zero chance. Zero chance. I I feel like if Kyle Shanahan had his way, it would be – Dan Brunskill and Tom Compton again, especially Monday night against the Rams, against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like he would go with the veterans, which I, which I think is the wrong move, but I feel like that's where his head lies. And so the, I don't think there's a chance in on God's green earth that he starts two rookies uh, <laughs> on the right side of the offensive line. I just, I don't think he goes that route, but um, back to Mike McGlinchey, you brought up a good point. Um, and Dr. Narav Pandya, who's, who's on Twitter, he does a lot of, um, he covers Bay Area sports and different injuries. He mentioned that depending on the type of quad injury, whether it's the tendon connected to the patella or if it was, if it's actually the muscle, it could really, you know, change the prognosis. He said that if it was like the tendon connected to the the patella, only 50% of players actually even come back to play from that injury. So there could be, you know, bigger repercussions for Mike McGlinchey, who's playing fantastic this season. You and I sung his praises last season when people were eviscerating him, and he was even better this season. And we saw the immediate drop-off as soon as Tom Compton came onto the field. And, you know, the 49ers picked up his fifth-year option, so they owe him that next season. He was probably going to be extended, I would imagine, if he kept his play. He, he had stayed healthy, and now it's like, do they have a question mark at right tackle moving forward when they thought they had a young, you know, up and coming player there? It's just just brutal. Which is why I would play Jalen Moore, knowing that Tom Compton is not your long term answer. Jalen Moore was brought in to be like a swing. You you were never relying on him to start because Trent Williams. But now you have to shuffle the deck. So why not see what you have in a guy like Moore? Maybe you can save an investment in free agency or a draft pick and not have to spend it on a right tackle. So You're saying uh, playing guys that could be a part of your future? What a novel concept. If only the team did that at other positions. Speaking of rookies, so we mentioned Drake or Patrick. We mentioned Josh Norman. Norman is going to try to play through it, but when he has played, he has not been playing well. And yes, he has broken up a few passes. Yes, he has forced his fair share of fumbles, but he cannot guard the most basic routes, and he is not a good tackler. And he has not shown he hasn't shown any signs that he is going to improve as a player. I think he's actually gotten worse. And we saw that just a little bit in, in the Cardinals game. Everybody's gonna remember the play where he blows you know, up. Benjamin. But, yeah. I mean, he had a missed tackle that led to a first down. He was giving up a slant where he's just caught in no man's land. Uh, there are plays where you just like Diamond play him. Like Lenore is not going to make those same mistakes. Yes, he has given up like 
big plays, but I just would trust him to make the type of plays underneath to be aggressive. And just He's just more athletic than Norman and Kirkpatrick, so he's going to be able to hang with more receivers. Is it time? Like, Do we see Lenore and who knows what they uh, – well, we do know what they how they feel about Ambry Thomas, but um, let's just act as if it's only Lenore as the option. Do you think he starts on Monday? I sure as hell hope so. Uh, Diamondor Lenore, I think he's been inactive right the last two weeks. Uh, both, I think, for personal reasons. Uh, I think he he had a baby this past week, so congrats to him, uh, new dad. But so it made sense why he wasn't wasn't active over Ambry Thomas these last few weeks. But even before that, he was healthy, active, but they just weren't playing him uh, early in the season. They played him right uh, against Green Bay. Uh, in those first couple games against Philly, he he gave up that huge bomb touchdown the right, down the right sideline. Um, but he also made plays. And as a young fifth round pick rookie, I feel like you got to live with those plays and you just play through the lumps, which is what we've said for other rookies at other positions for this team as well. Just play the young guys. This team is three and five. Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick are not going to be on this team beyond the season. So if you're gonna if you're gonna die by those guys, you might as well die by at least by players that are gonna be, you know, on this team that you're invested in for the next four years that are only gonna grow from this. And, you know, at at the most basic level, Drake Kirkpatrick wearing number thirteen and playing corner is just like the ugliest thing I've seen. <laughs> and on that basic on that most basic level, he shouldn't be playing on the field. But uh I, I hope. I hope uh, you know, you never root for injury or anything like that, but I hope um, it gives the opportunity for Lenore to start on Sunday and hopefully he's able to play well and hold on to that starting job. And we don't have to see Norman or Kirkpatrick, uh, on the field for this 49ers team again. Cause I just, I don't want any part of it anymore. It's going to be Dante Johnson watch. And <laughs> he's such a cop out for this team just because he's on the team and he knows like every position ever. Uh, <laughs> that would be the least surprising thing to see them roll out with Mosley and Dante Johnson. But all right. So Mohamed Sanu, injured reserve, wide receiver three. What happens there? Because it's been Sanu. Like I believe he played 59% of the snaps yeah. on Sunday. He has like, there's no question about who the wide receiver three is. Trent Sherfield and Juwan Jennings played like single-digit snaps. I believe they played seven and eight snaps on Sunday. So we're looking at those two. Um, well, we were talking about injuries. We didn't mention Jalen Hurts just because he's a fake name from now on. Like he's not a real person. Shannon said he's not expecting him back for the rest of the season. Not a real surprise, but the fact that they let him play in training camp, kept him a roster spot, and still like we're just crossing their fingers, hoping and praying that he would become something um, just not realistic and if anything, it kind of tells you where their head's at. But Trent Sherfield, Juwan Jennings, in my head, it should be Kyle Juszczyk as the wide receiver three because he is quite talented. He is very good one-on-one, and you're not going to see a, a cornerback guarding number 44. It'll be a linebacker. It'll be a safety. It'll be a guy that Kyle Juszczyk can make miss. I thought there were a few plays in the game where I mean, it's not technically 12 personnel, but it is 12 personnel since he's lining up as a tight end where he just gets open. And we saw the the nice catch he had near the sideline. He's a good athlete. So um, I think that Kyle Shannon likes to use fullback. I mean, he's admitted this to dictate what the defense does. So why not just keep 44 in the game, move him around the formation as you do with your other players and just kind of, you know, keep the defense in base. And that way you can go hurry up. You can just play with Tim, but you can do a lot of different things when he's in the game. I'm not sure if that does happen. Eventually, you are going to have to put another receiver on the field. It's evident that they don't trust John Jennings. Remember the last game against the Bears? Jimmy Garoppolo chewing, chewing him out, yeah. He's yelling at him, man. And I and who knows how much of that was just for theater, but Ben Sherfield was a training camp legend, and he's an afterthought in the offense now, so not sure what, you know, what went wrong there. Do you think it will be Sherfield? I actually think it's going to be Juwan Jennings. I, I feel like whenever they um, rotate out Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, it ends up being Juwan Jennings over Trent Sherfield. So naturally, if they were to insert a wide receiver, I would imagine it's Juwan Jennings, um, which is interesting because Trent Sherfield, training camp legend, had these plays in the preseason, was earning a lot of buzz and gaining a lot of steam, and yet he just doesn't see the field. 
I'd imagine it has to do with his size and probably his run blocking. I'd imagine that's why Sanu got the edge, just being a bigger guy with a sturdier frame. Um, but like you mentioned in your YouTube video, shout out, go check out Kyle Posey's YouTube channel uh, for the best breakdowns. You mentioned you just put your best players on the field, and that's Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and you just live and die by that. So I, I would always lean that route. Um just because Usac made some fantastic plays in that game, but I don't, I don't think Kyle Shanahan kind of thinks along those lines. I feel like he's going to lean more on a player like Juwan Jennings, and um, that's unfortunate because it looked like wide receiver. They had some depth early on in camp, and seemingly it always ends up kind of in this position where they get midway through the season, and you get to the River Craycrafts and the Richie James, you know, players like that end up on the field for this team. But I think as long as you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle healthy your third wide receiver hopefully isn't uh, a giant deal, but man injuries. I mean, Muhammad Sanu's injury was just, just a brutal throw. We all know exactly the throw, the one that was like 15 feet in the air that he leaped for. And he landed awkwardly, I think on that knee. Um, But he, even, even without the injury, I don't think Sanu was playing particularly well. Um, Had some key drops on third down in the last few weeks. Um, I, I just don't think he was, playing up to his potential anyways. So I'm. we'll see what the drop-off is between Sanu and uh, Jennings and Sherfield. Yeah, so Sanu over 30, Tom, or Thomas, Norman over 30, Kirkpatrick over 30. Like they're, the guys that they signed and are relying on, they're over the hill. They were bound to get hurt. When you, ha- when you have a team that already has a, a significant injury history, it feels like you're playing with fire by – relying on these type of players. And yeah, you mentioned Sanu's drops. They've been brutal. They've been pretty killer. And even the one where he got a pass interference, I, I didn't think that that was a penalty, but they've kind of bailed him out. The ball, Jimmy hit him in stride and in the in, in his hands. hands. He has to catch that pass. Uh, the defender didn't do anything to break it up. But again, yeah. um, it, it's been the same old, same old mistakes. Let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. So the 49ers are... 9-15 and 15 since the Super Bowl. They have lost 11 of 12 games at home. They are just bad. And I don't think there's anywhere, anywhere else to put that. Uh, they're not playing well. What's wild is there's still only one game out of the wild card playoff. But that says more about the NFC than it does the 49ers. Like, we know. We've watched all their games. You, If you're listening to this, you've watched their games. Like, there are times when they're competitive, but there are times when, as we saw Sunday, they just look disinterested, uh, kind of going through the motions. Rob Guerrero had a great interview with Kyle Juszczyk. Check out that on Niners Nation's YouTube channel. And Juice was very honest. And, you know, it seems like – or what he said was they kind of rolled out of bed thinking, hey, Kyler's not going to play. We're going to win this. You saw that was not the case. Arizona was more physical than them. They just looked more prepared. Um, there are a lot – of things during the game that went wrong. So we can start. I mean, I don't know where to start, but if we just jump to the third quarter, they are down, I believe it was. I don't know if it's it was 31 seven. uh 14. 31 uh so it's 31-7, then it became 31-14. So they had, they oh. had just scored the touchdown to make it 31-13. So it's an 18-point game at that point. Uh going for one right and making it a 17 point game it's still a three possession game um and going for two would make it a two possession game it would have made it a 16 point game and i think you're alluding to the fact that Kyle Shanahan ended up kicking the extra point which like why would you do that in that spot like go for two like going for two there and not getting it is the same as kicking the extra point it's still a three possession game i think his excuse after the game was that they had decided before the drive had even begun that they were going to kick the extra point because of the time on the clock and they thought there'd be enough possessions in the game, but that's just brutal game management. Do you understand how dumb that is? Like, that is that there's no way around it. That's dumb for reasons of game flow, which is something that I've been preaching about all season, and, and not just this season, last season, even a little bit in 2019, where you have to understand how the game is unfolding. You have allowed 31 points up until this point. The Cardinals have punted one time you have made Colt McCoy look like Kurt Warner during his time with the Cardinals. You couldn't stop them. There was no evidence that you would be able to stop them. You also, when you, whenever you did move the ball, you found a way to turn it over. You were two yards away 
in an extra point situation, that was your best chance to make it a two possession game. As we saw, that kind of came back to bite them. The game was never really close in the fourth quarter, but you just never know. Um, again, the process over the results, I don't know how they come to that conclusion, but they did. And even at the end of the third quarter, as they're going hurry up, which was great to see, and they did that in the first quarter, and he did have a good reason for that. He said, Shanahan said that the Cardinals had a six-man front, and they wanted to keep them in that front, so they were playing with pace. And love that answer. Okay, you're playing with pace at the end of the third quarter, too, when you're down. Great. You let 36 seconds run off the clock. There's a great chance you can get two plays in there, um, whether you're, you know, you have a quick pass, whether it's an incomplete, whether you run it, who, who knows? But there's no way that you're playing hurry up and you only you don't even get a playoff with 36 seconds left. Those are just two plays that we mentioned, you know, the extra point and the 36 seconds. It seems a little bit like he's in over his head. And when I say that, I don't think he has the answers. Um to the problems that he has. I don't know if he's aware of all the problems on the team, but you mentioned a little bit before we got on here, he's a little bit of a negative Nancy. Like what's, what is going on? What is wrong with this team? For the first time, I think in his five seasons, it seems like if you were to take the temperature of the fan base, they're starting to turn on Kyle Shanahan a little bit. Like in 2017, you understood, you know, it was a rebuilding team. They just don't have talent. But you saw you saw flashes, right, as the season went on. And then they went on that five-game winning streak, and you started to believe in Kyle a little bit. Then in 2018, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Whatever. Excuse. Then in 2019, they had a Super Bowl run. Everyone, you know, uh, thought Kyle Shanahan was, you know, one of the better coaches in the league. And then 2020, same thing, right? They get hit with a truckload of injuries. But even even then, there were games where they were – you know, executing well. It seemed like they were, you know, uh, playing up to a standard. And if they just had better quarterback play or if they had a little bit of talent here, they could have pulled out some wins. And even at the end of the season, they went into Arizona as the Cardinals were looking to, you know, get a playoff spot. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan beat Cliff Kingsbury with C.J. Beathard on the road, you know, late in the season. So coming into this season, you never thought that Kyle Shanahan would be, you know, uh, the problem for this team yet through nine weeks, 10 weeks, it looks like he's the problem because week in and week out, it's the same shit over and over again. They come out flat, they make a bunch of mistakes, and it's not the same mistakes. It's different mistakes. One week, it's Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle fumbling. One week, it's Trent Cannon with special teams mistakes. One week, it's poor offensive execution. One week, it's defensive pass interference penalties. And it's like one thing after the other, and eventually it falls on the coaching staff. You know, the famous saying is you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And this 49ers team just continues to allow it to happen. It seems that there's just a lack of accountability, a lack of, you know, just repercussions for some of the mistakes that are happening on this team. And it just, you know, it starts at the top. It starts with Kyle Shanahan. And we talked about this before we hit record. Even with him, there seems to be a lack of accountability. And I, t- I tweeted this out on Monday morning, I think. Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur both got you know, curb stomped this week as well. Yet both of them in the press conferences, despite what they actually think, went on record and said, yep, I didn't have my team prepared. They didn't play well. I got to be better, blah, 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 blah. Yet when Kyle Shanahan comes up to the podium post game, it's we didn't tackle well. It's we didn't have 11 guys storming to the ball. It's we let them, you know, turn screens into explosive plays. And it was, it felt like a little bit of a blame game. And I know he's being honest. And it's a lot of the things that you and I saw, but how much of this personality where you're just brutally honest, you're brutally upfront, you kind of thrive in negativity, you know, that tends to rub off on your team. And it seems like this group is just playing without pride. It seemed midway through that Cardinals game that they quit on him a little bit, especially defensively, because they were just turning little screen plays into, you know, huge plays. And it seemed for the first time, it seems like his message isn't getting through to his team. Um, just because they continue to come out flat week in and week out when their back's against the wall, when they have more talent on this team this year than they did last year. They shouldn't be losing uh, you know, games at home to Colt McCoy. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, who I feel like you and I have talked a lot of shit about, took Kyle Shanahan to the woodshed on Sunday. I mean, absolutely kicked his ass. And I never thought I'd see the day, but it, it just looks like, you know, watching Shanahan from afar that he has no idea what's wrong with this team. He was surprised that they played that way on Sunday. And it looks like he's swimming, just looking for answers. And I don't think they're going to find it. 
anytime soon because it, it's like whack-a-mole with this team. It's like a different problem every week. And, you know, I think they're screwed uh, this week against the Rams. All right, so let's talk about the offense. And they didn't really have problems moving the ball. They averaged over six yards per play. The issues were the same issues that have been, you know, just been plaguing the 49ers offense all season. So turnovers. Third down. I don't, I don't really blame George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk for those fumbles, though, because those plays happen in football every Sunday. One play on the Kittle fumble, a guy just jumps over another defender and makes like a heroic leap over his back, jars the ball loose. That happens. Brandon Ayuk has the ball covered up with two hands and still loses it. That happens. Um, Even if you want to talk about the Fred Warner one, where it's him, two hands on the ball, hits his face mask, three 49ers are around him. They don't get the ball. That's 14-0 then. The Cardinals end up kicking a field goal. They have a chance to take points off the board and go put points on the board. That doesn't happen. Like, the turnover luck on this team is amazing and and amazingly bad is what's been going on. But let's talk about the offense just because um, Jimmy Garoppolo, PFF's highest-graded quarterback over the last two weeks um, against the Bears, unbelievable. Was played very well. He played really well in that game. I thought that that was the case this week too until I watched the game back because there are a lot of the same mistakes that, you know, have just been plaguing him dating back to God knows when. But um, pre-snap is an issue going to where, you know, the 49ers don't have a numbers advantage, whether it's three on two, whether it's four on three, whatever it may be. I'm knowing where the matchup advantages are for the 49ers. Also, happy feet in the pocket running into sacks. I thought that he left a lot of yards on the field. And I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo was the reason the 49ers lost. That couldn't be further from the truth. I'm saying that he contributed a lot more than what's being let on, which, I mean, if you want to say Trey Lance, we can go there. But they just they make the same mistakes week in and week out, and that is a coaching issue, uh, whether it's the fumbles, whether it's the drops. Like the drops are not going in. We mentioned Sanu, Debo had – Drops as he usually does, you know, every game. And you're going to live with those if he's making plays, but he didn't make a play this game. So that drop that he had early on in the game led to a punt where they could have moved the chains. Um, It is, it's just frustrating to watch because nothing has changed. It's always the same mistakes. It's almost as if Shannon has to coach around Jimmy missing Sanu wide open on an over route down the field. He has to coach around that drop I mentioned. He has to coach around the fumbles. You like you can't blame Shanahan for those, but at the same time, they are on third down, leaving Kittle in the block, running plays to Jamichael Hasty when Brandon Ayuk is running dummy routes. Like that can't happen. There are so many. There's so many different moving parts, so many different issues, and it it has to all come back to the head coach. But let's go to the other side of the ball because you cannot give up 31 points to Colt McCoy. You cannot give up 31 points to Colt McCoy when his best wide receiver is Christian Kirk. As you mentioned, Cliff Kingsbury was outstanding. And I never thought I would utter those words, but he just, he had his team prepared. He kept D'Amico Ryans off guard all game. D'Amico Ryans was chasing his tail. And they really didn't even do too many crazy things. It was just like a lot of uh, like double pass or whatever to some unnamed receiver. I didn't even know who the guy was. Wesley (laughs) or Antoine, whatever his first name is, something, A something Wesley. Antoine Wesley, a player that we should have never heard about. Um, I thought Kingsbury did a good job of just getting his speed guys against 49ers, you know, whether it's Tolano or Funga, um, or just getting them in space. But yeah, there was a double reverse pass. Um, there was a screen there. But outside of that, they really didn't do anything crazy. Um, the 49ers just didn't make plays. I, I mentioned uh, 15 missed tackles by 11 different players. Uh, Talanoa Funga had three of those. Mosley had a few. Uh, Norman had a couple. I mean, you just go down the line. Every, most people had multiple ones. But I've been a big, big, big supporter of Aziz Alshire, and this was comfortably his worst game. Um, he looked a little lost. But when you play young players, they are bound to have off games. Talanoa Funga was slow to trigger. I, I just thought his lack of play speed showed up. On some of the angles, on some of his pursuit angles, um, he got caught in a tricky situation where, again – Kingsbury knew that he was going to get a safety one-on-one with 
Christian, Christian Kirk. Yeah, he if, yeah. if Christian Kirk is anything, he is fast. He's actually from right around here in my neighborhood, but um, he can run. He's always been able to run, so that that's no secret. And Hufunga just, you know, made a rookie mistake. He didn't get depth like he was supposed to. His feet kind of got stuck in mud. Just rookie mistakes. But Tavon Wilson has been in the league for like a decade, and he got caught on that double pass where you have to imagine they're preparing for these plays. So he he responded, but he was still late to get there. Um, the defensive ends giving up contain. Nick Bosa, oof. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> he does that. Like if there's if there's one thing that you can complain about Bosa, it's if you are going to run it, whether it's a zone read, whether it's play action boot, uh, you're probably going to be able to get outside of him. That happened a few times on Sunday. Uh, same with Samson Ebicom. There were a lot of issues on defense, and I think it's not. I'm not going to say Demeco Ryan should be fired because that's not the case at all. So the defense that the 49ers rolled out week one was night and day compared to the defense that was on the field on Sunday. So you, instead of Jason Verrett and, well, I guess Diablo Lenore, it's Emmanuel Mosley, who is a fine player, and Josh Norman on the other side, who is not a fine player. You have Tavon Wilson, who should not be starting in the NFL. You have Talano Ufunga, who is probably going to be a solid box player eventually, but he has to play deep. And when you do that, you expose him in space that he's not used to covering ground on. Um, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle. Now, so I, I love the adjustment for Eric Armstead. I thought Eric Armstead had his best game of the season. I think if he continues to play three technique, he will be a star. Um, but he has to hold up against double teams, which means he's not going to be able to play as much, which means you're going to have to play Kevin Givens, which means you're going to have to play Contavious Street. Street. And when Street played, he got moved often. Like, they had no issues taking him from one side of the formation to the other on double teams. Um, I thought – I mentioned Aziz Alshire playing his worst game, uh, whether it's missed tackles, whether it is getting just burned by Zach Ertz on simple routes or just fit, fitting into his gap wrong. Um, he just didn't play well, man. And I don't know how much of that was misdirection, but – Again, like when you just go down the list of names, list of players, you probably don't want these players playing as many snaps as they did. So it's tough to blame Ryan's for backups not making plays. But again, like it was Colt McCoy, man. And and he gave them chances to make plays. But McCoy actually made some plays with his legs, turned um, what would be sacks sacks. to positive plays, whether he ran for a first down. Man, what is this team going to look like? If they look like this against Colt McCoy, what's going to happen against like a Matt Stafford team that, you know, is going to be ticked off after being embarrassed on national TV? We will get there, but let's talk about what one change we would make on both sides of the ball. So on offense, we talked about it a little, whether it's going to be right tackle, right guard, uh, wide receiver three. On defense, we talked about the potential of – you know, being Diablo Lenore, who knows if that's a fix. Ideally, Jimmy Ward plays, and a lot of this is cleaned up because if Jimmy Ward plays last week, you can move him down and have him guard Rondell Moore, and Rondell Moore isn't being guarded by Tavon Wilson, who had no shot against a guy like – a guy who runs a 4-2. Well, of course he's not going to have a shot against him. Um, Hufunga has to guard James Conner out of the backfield. He doesn't prepare or he isn't in position to guard a slant. He misses a tackle, give up a first down. Like the domino effect of your best players not playing hurt you. So that is understandable. It's like mine would just be the guys get healthy and you don't have to worry about this. Uh, Do you think we're going to see any sweeping changes outside of the ones that we spoke about? No, I don't think so. Because where did the changes come from? It's not like they've got guys on this. Uh, roster that they've stashed away that they're just waiting to unleash 10 weeks into the season as they sit at three and five. So it, it, it's going to be more of the same. Hopefully defensively, they can just get healthy. Maybe they get Drake Greenlaw back this week, and then you can roll out Warner, Greenlaw, Al Shire. You get Jimmy Ward back so that you don't have to play Tavon Wilson. Uh, maybe you roll out Diamador Lenore instead of Josh Norman, Drake Kirkpatrick. That would probably be it, but I mean, that defensive line, which we thought was the best unit coming into this season uh, on this team, has just 
been decimated, right? Javon Kinlaw out, D Ford out. And so now all of a sudden you're and Mo Hurst, who we thought could be an impact player, hasn't been playing. So now all of a sudden you've got, you know, Katavia Street, Kevin Givens playing more snaps than you'd like. They're getting shoved around in the run game. Samson Mebukam, Arden Key, these guys aren't giving you anything off the edge, opposite of Nick Bosa. I think they're 26th in adjusted sack rate. So it's like, what is D'Amico Ryan supposed to do with guys that normally wouldn't be playing heavy snaps or playing heavy snaps? So hard to blame him. Don't know if there's going to be any sweeping sweeping changes outside of just getting healthy at a few key spots um, and just trying to get better from there. We saw this defense play well early in the season uh, or relative to how they played on Sunday. And I think they can get back to that sort of level like the way they played against Seattle in that first half or the way they played against Philly in that second half. I think they can get back to that level, but it's going to have to happen fast because they've got Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, maybe you've heard of him, uh, leading uh, receiver in the NFL, and Robert Woods coming into town Monday night, um, which is going to be a giant uh, test for this defense. Yeah, and Van Jefferson's solid too. Like They have plenty of weapons, but I think the 49ers defense – just the way that they have been built is just far too predictable. So they invested a lot in their defensive line, not so much in the secondary. You are relying on your defensive line to kind of mask the deficiencies in your secondary. That's not happening. You mentioned 25th in adjusted sack rate. They have the 26, they're 26 in QB hits. They are 20th in pressure percentage. So when you're not getting pressure, you're going to expose your old and slow secondary. And that's exactly what has happened and that is why they are 23rd in or sorry i mean they're just getting gashed against the run too i I don't think people understand that so they've given up the fifth most running plays in the nfl and and fifth most explosive running plays in the nfl so any run over 15 yards i imagine if i were to filter that down as far as the passing plays go they would be near there uh near the top as well so i mean when you don't win one-on-one because Jamika ryan's He's, he's going to blitz on third down, but not so much on early downs. And the early down success rate just isn't good, man. They, they're not getting into third and longs so the pass rushers can pin their ears back, so Bosa can win, so Armstead can win. And we're seeing what happens, man. You you allow, you know, Mosley, who just – I mean, the secondary as a whole just didn't play well against the Cardinals, which is why you kind of have to fear what's going to happen with McVay, but – <sighs> pass rush will solve all because it has to. When we talk about changes made, they just have to start winning one-on-ones. And it's going to have to be Ebukam, who they invested in for this reason to you know fill in for D Ford, who doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. I don't know if he's going to be out for the season. Shanahan said he doesn't think he's going to be out for the season. But like we, ha- we haven't seen him in the last couple of games, and I'm not sure that's going to change anytime soon. Somehow it went from a concussion to a back injury. Yeah, yeah, right. And and it's that kind of came out of nowhere too. But I mean, he said he had a setback, or when I say he, Shannon said Ford had a setback. I don't know. Yeah, they they just have to find a way to get healthy. But you I mean we mentioned I mentioned the fifth most explosive running plays. They're getting gashed like hundred yards plus in the past three games, which are the games where Javon Kinlaw missed. So what do you know? Um. We know Big that guy in the interior that you can't move uh, and you miss him in the run game. Who would have thought? Yeah. And, and that's another thing. So I, I've been getting a lot of DMS about, Hey, what, what's going on with Fred Warner? What, what do you think? Does he suck now? Um, <laughs> you can't call him all pro Fred because he's not playing like an all pro. I don't think he's playing nearly as poorly as, you know, other people are making out to be. I just think as you, as we talked about, you know, Javon Kinlaw and DJ Jones aren't protecting him. Now it's DJ Jones and sometimes Eric Armstead, but mostly, Kevin Givens, and there are times where, as I mentioned, street. So when the defensive tackles are in your lap, your linebackers aren't able to run freely and clean plays up in front of them. So the domino effect of missing, you know, your best run stopper in Kinlaw is affecting the rest of the players. Novel concept. <sighs> All right. Uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about the Rams. They are four and a half point underdogs against the Rams. Monday night football. As I said, Rams are going to be pissed off coming to this bad boy after getting hosed, smoked on national team. Dog walked. A Titans team that is a lot better than many of us anticipated. 
I don't know that the Rams are capable of losing two games in a row with this type of team that they have. Um, they're, they're not sure if Von Miller is going to play or not. We will see. Uh, somebody responded to us on Niners Nation when we brought up the four four and a half point underdogs that the decimal doesn't need to be there and it should be a 45 point underdog, which I love the pessimistic fan base. Like when, when things are going well, um, they're on top of the world and nobody can stop the 49ers after, you know, the four game losing streak, of course. But, and now just this last loss to Colt McCoy, which might be worse than the four game losing streak. Yeah. Negative. This is taking a turn to negative town. Unlike, you would ever have thought. So what do you think is going to happen against the Rams? Of course, we talked about this a little bit. The most 49ers thing um, would be to beat the Rams after losing to Colt McCoy at home. But all right, let's get out of La La Land. What has to happen? Like, what do you think goes on in this one? I was going to say, are you surprised that the Rams are only four and a half point favorites? And I thought what that line would have been like Rams minus seven, six and a half. I thought it would have been a lot higher than four and a half points. If they don't lose, if they if they beat the Titans, it's probably like seven, six and a half or seven. But it's overreaction, and they're going to take advantage of you know the public. The last thing they saw was the Rams getting smoked on national TV. And yes, the 49ers lost to Cole McCoy, but they you're going to remember Matt Stafford throwing those picks. You're going to remember the the Rams defense, you know, kind of getting beaten and kind of giving up whatever you know they did against the titans um i don't know i <laughs> the 40 i do think the 49ers will be able to move the ball against the rams i just don't know if they're going to be able to sustain drives because i don't know if they're going to be able to do that they haven't shown that they've been able to do that all season um it's going to come down to you know, will they be able to guard the Rams wide receivers on the perimeter? Matt Stafford is going to stretch the field unlike any other quarterback that they've seen. Like the Rams are still really freaking good on defense. Like they're top, they're eighth in EPA per play. So the 49ers will have their chances, but they're going to have to, they're just going to have to find ways to be consistent. And they have not been consistent. So it's hard to be optimistic, optimistic. Yeah, based on everything that we've seen so far. So, well, what do you think is going to go on here? I'm more interested to see how this team responds. Yeah. I mean, they got destroyed at home, divisional opponent uh, by a backup quarterback. The fan base was booing you at home. Haven't won a home game in over a year. Um, just the entire week you're fielding questions about what's going on with this team. Why can't you figure it out? Uh, how'd you lose this way? Blah, 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 blah. And now you face another divisional opponent who is what seven and two, right? Something like that, seven and two. Uh, Monday night football at home, prime time, under the bright lights. How do you respond? Is this does this group have any pride left in it, or are they just going to lay down uh, to the Los Angeles Rams? I think that's what I'm most interested in seeing. And uh, what is their focus level, you know, during practice this week, and how does that translate to the game on Monday night? They haven't played a complete 60 minutes this season, even in their wins against Detroit. Right. They played a really good first half. Then they kind of blew it down the stretch, but managed to win against Philly. They played a horrible first half, but managed to kind of get it into gear in that second half against Chicago. They really woke up after that Debo Samuel, 83 yard, you know, uh, catch and run. And then that kind of jump started them. So they haven't played a complete game on both sides of the ball. And because of that, it's hard for us to sit here and say, Oh, this is the week that they flipped the switch because of X, Y, and Z, right? We haven't seen it. We don't have the history of it. So it's hard to sit here and say, okay, they're going to do it against arguably one of the you know best teams in the NFC who are extremely well coached, have a really good quarterback, um, are as healthy as can be. So how do you expect to see that? You know, Offensively, I think the biggest question mark for us is how are they going to stop this Rams defensive line? How are they going to block Aaron Donald, Von Miller if he plays? Uh, and then the rest of the pass rushes that they have, um, and then defensively, how do they slow down uh, this Rams offense? Uh, you know, like you mentioned, the Niners haven't been able to slow the run down these last few weeks ever since Javon Kinlaw has been out. Daryl Henderson's been really, really good for the Rams. So how are they going to slow him down? Uh, I know he didn't play particularly well, but I think that was more game script related last week. So I'd imagine Sean McVay looks to get him involved early. And then who the hell is covering Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby? Right, they've got a full array of weapons, and D'Amico, D'Amico Ryan's going to have his hands full. 
Um, you know, we saw what happened against the Cardinals last week, even when they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. So how how are the 49ers going to slow this offense down? I think it's going to be if the 49ers are going to win this game, which, you know, we'll see if that happens. It's going to be more of a shootout, high scoring type game where, you know, Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo just have to execute consistently, avoid turnovers or avoid mistakes, et cetera, and just kind of go toe to toe because I think it's going to be that type of a game if they do win. Uh, but I can't see that happening. I think the Rams come in when win by double digits. Sean McVay finally beats Kyle Shanahan after what he's 0-4, I think, in the last four games. Finally beats him, takes care of business, uh, puts a stick, puts a fork in the 49ers, sends them three and six, Man. and maybe we see Trey Lance against Jacksonville the week after that. I think that's what happens. I, that, I just can't I just can't see them winning this game. That's the most predictable outcome is they lose this one, kind of pull the plug on Jimmy and then see what they have in Trey for the rest of the season. And who knows how that turns out, but that just seems like the most likely scenario. So, Because for the reasons you mentioned, playoff picture-wise, they're only a game out right now, but they're tied with a bunch of other teams. And one of the teams is Seattle, who gets Russell Wilson back this week. Seattle's already beat the 49ers once. Right. And so, you know, you lose this week, and then all of a sudden you're just on a complete free fall. So I feel like this is kind of the week that – it could teeter, and I think I just don't think they have enough to beat the Rams. So the Rams are third in the NFL in explosive passing plays. They are third in EPA per play on offense. They are also top five in success rate. It's going to be tough to slow them down. Like you, you essentially you need another Eric Armstead type of performance because that's what Jeff Simmons did from the Titans. Like he just blew up their interior line and forced Stafford off the off his spot and made him throw some terrible passes, but pressure hasn't been a thing for the 49ers. So you can't give them credit for something Jeff Simmons did when we haven't seen that from them. I don't know, man. It's, (laughs) I mean, based on the matchups, based on the numbers, it's not looking good. What I want to know is what is Shanahan's message to the team heading in this one? He had John Lynch give a pep talk against the freaking bears. So if you need to get up against the bears, that is an issue. Uh, they thought the Cardinals would roll over. That did not happen. You shouldn't need a pep talk against a divisional opponent. Um, you shouldn't need. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. When you're three and five, you've lost five or six games. You're at home, Monday night football, divisional opponent. You should be able to get up for that game. They had everything break their way Sunday based on before they even took the field. Every team that they needed to lose to, you know, get into that final wild card lost. spot. Like it happened. Yeah. Everything went their way, and still they laid an egg, which is tough to do. Um, Not sure if that's going to happen again because it doesn't seem like breaks go in the 49ers' way. But, I mean, we'll see. I guess that's the only way. It it, it will play itself out. I am not as confident that it will happen just because, as we mentioned, the matchups. But what what is Kyle Shanahan going to say? Will his message finally get through? Is it on the players? Like, we keep saying Shanahan, we keep saying Ryans. Like, the players have to have some accountability. They have to stop turning the ball over. You would think, you know, they would be fired up for this one because they know, they saw what happened to the Rams. They know the Rams are going to be coming in and just, you know, angry, wanting to make plays. I don't know, man. I I, I never know what to think in divisional, in divisional games just because they're sure. always a clip, no matter what you think about these teams. Um Think about uh, last year. Nick Mullins going into L.A. Yeah, the last time the 49ers won a freaking home game. um, Or that game, yeah, that too. Yeah, everybody, that was when Jimmy was down, and they had to use Debo as a de facto running back, and they played as physical as ever. But that brand has not been the 49ers style this week or this year. So maybe they get back to that physical style of play. We shall see enough conjecture. That'll do it for us. My name is Kyle Posey. You can follow me at KP underscore show. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Niners Nation. I mentioned uh, Rob Guerrero has a fantastic interview with Kyle. You check on the site on Wednesday by the time you're listening to this. Um, Mike, or sorry, Mike, <laughs> Mark Lucci has a really good article about Jed York might not make the move, but he believes the 49ers need to fire Kyle Shanahan. 
I don't agree with that, but I think his research and the work that he put into that article is really well done and it is worth a read. Akash, where can we follow you? You can follow me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V as always. I'd like to leave you with this big question. Does Jalen Ramsey pick Jimmy Garoppolo this week? Ooh. So the icing on the cake of last week's game, and, and his turnover didn't bother me just because the game was out of hand, but it was so fitting that it was a turnover against another underneath wide, re- or sorry, uh, wide receiver, underneath safety Linebacker, coming from yeah. the side of the field, who he just has not been able to see all of his life, apparently. And uh, I think Jalen's going to be pressing for one. I don't see how you target Ramsey based on how he's playing. He is, he is in my lifetime. He's better than Sherman, which might rub some people the wrong way, but I don't think it's particularly close. He is toe to toe with Revis. If not better, maybe he's better. I wouldn't argue with anybody who said he's better. Like the best cornerbacks that I've seen in my life are Darrell Revis and Champ Bailey. And he might be as good as both of those players. And both of those players are Hall of Famers. So um, I'm avoiding him at all costs. But it's tough to do that when he's matched up inside, when he's going outside. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one play he's guarding Ayuk, the next play he's guarding Debo, the next play he's guarding um, George Kittle. They're going to have to slow down Aaron Donald, too, though. They have that Aaron Donald guy on that defense, too, which makes you – he forces you into doing some dumb things as well. Uh, the Rams have a ton of good players. No surprise. But – the 49ers do too, believe it or not. You would not know that based on their record and their execution. Um, they got to turn it around. And it starts with just taking care of the ball. It starts with taking, uh, big plays. Maybe give Elijah Mitchell the ball more than eight times, nine times, whatever it was. Uh, keeping the game close would have a lot to do with that. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't think he does just because I think Ramsey's going to be pressing so hard to get it. Um, I think – Jimmy's going to be smart and he's going to know where number five is before the ball is snapped and not go to that guy. Do you think he, he gets one, Ramsey? I think he does. He got one in that 2019 Saturday night, like that Christmas weekend game. It was the same play, right? It was uh, Jim Garoppolo just didn't see Jalen Ramsey drop in the coverage and he threw, throws it right to him. So I think he does. I think it would be one of those like game gets out of hand. Garoppolo's trying to force something. Ramsey ends up picking it and, it ends yeah, up being the whole thing. So, yes. Yep. This <laughs> this past week's been insane on 49ers Twitter. I would imagine if they lose this week, it only gets worse. So we shall see. But we will be back next week. As always, rate, subscribe, review, Niners Nation Podcast Network, wherever you listen. We appreciate it. And go Niners. <laughs>